We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by The Bear Report, your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman, and I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Usaid Koshal. Usaid, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. We have OTAs starting next week here. Rookie minicamp just wrapped up. So at least some content related to the Bears before we head into mid-June and those like first three weeks in July where it's going to be super slow and there's going to be nothing going on. Yeah, you're already kind of starting to feel it, how there's just you know, nothing really newsworthy. It seems like we're jumping on every little thing uh, to kind of talk about here as Bears fans, just for football in general in the NFL. But one of those little things uh, that we kind of can talk about a little bit here, I just kind of start this thing off, is uh, you, talk, you kind of mentioned it, rookie minicamp. Uh, Justin Fields getting his first experience in a Bears uniform. Uh, very exciting stuff. You know, we weren't really able to see a lot of, you know, videos of rookie minicamp out there. I mean, the Bears social media team, they released a few stuff. The media that was there, even our, our publisher, Zach uh, Pearson, uh, was able to get a couple of, like, short little clips. But, like, other than that, like, nothing really crazy going on here. You're kind of just going off of what uh, has been reported from what people saw there at camp. But uh, from what, you know, we're hearing here, um, a lot of positives, and I think a lot of excitement here based off of what uh, Justin Fields showed at rookie minicamp. It was definitely exciting. And you mentioned our guy, Zach Pearson, who's at Hallis Hall pretty much whenever he can be. 
One thing that I found really interesting was the word that Zach used to describe Justin Fields, and he posted this on our Bear Report form. So go to the website and check those out, by the way, if you're listening to this. He said it, Fields is really accurate, and Zach noted this, that within the first 90 minutes of, I believe it was practice on Friday or Saturday, there were only three incompletions, with one of them being just a flat-up drop. And I think that that's interesting because – the best quarterbacks in this league oftentimes are the ones that are very accurate because those are the guys that can hit pretty much any throw onto the field. They're not only able to hit any throw, they have a good throwing base. Their mechanics are really solid. They have good footwork. And then also they are able to hit players in stride and fit balls into tight windows. And I think when we look at Justin Fields, just what he did at Ohio state, they had pretty much, an offense that is very similar to what the bears are trying to run. And Nagy talked about it too, in his press conference about how, Hey, look, some of the stuff Ryan day did at Ohio state for Justin in the offense are some of the things that we're trying to implement here. And so really that word accurate sticks out to me because the bears feel like fields can hit pretty much any throw on the field, which is great because the last three seasons, they haven't had that. I mean, there is so much production an offensive just output that's been left out onto the field as a result of the quarterback's inability to hit guys like Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson in stride, even hit Anthony Miller in the slot consistently. Yeah, that's certainly a positive development to hear overall, just the general accuracy uh, that Justin Field dis- that's displayed. And, you know, what I'm excited to see is just you hear a lot of you know, what is being reported here, you know, the poise, the leadership, the sense of you know, Justin Fields knows that he belongs here. That's what I'm really um, excited to hear because you kind of get the sense that Justin Fields, it feels, it's been said, I think, by like everybody in regards to this, but it feels different than a Mr. Trubisky. You kind of knew going into camp there that Mr. Trubisky was a bit of a project, that this, you know, whole experience of being the guy was a little bit new to him coming from UNC. Justin Fields has been the guy for what his entire life. Basically he's been in the spotlight ever since high school. So uh, this doesn't feel new to him, all this spotlight, all this attention being on him and the fact that he was able to carry out um, and show that leadership and show that poise and show that professionalism already uh, at his first practices with the bears. I mean, that's nothing short of, you know, very, very positive. Now this could all end up being nothing. He can end up like, because it's Ricky minicamp. You don't want to draw too many conclusions from it. You know, they're not going full speed. It's mostly seven-on-seven stuff. They do go into any team uh, stuff. And remember, it's against other fellow rookies. So it's not like this – he's not going against Khalil Mack or Eddie Jackson or uh, Roquan Smith, none of the top guys in the Bears here. So uh, we're really not going to be able to draw any concrete conclusions on how Justin Fields is playing until training camp when we get there. But, uh, you know, for where we're at here with this first step, it's definitely a positive. You know, the vibe just feels different from what we were hearing from – well, Mr. Trubisky was a rookie quarterback and not to, you know, bag on Mr. Trubisky too much. But again, you hear about what was reported with Mr. Trubisky. It was pretty clear that this was a work in progress. That it was going to take some time here um, that you know, he needed some time to kind of adapt to the NFL game here. It seems like Justin Fields, he's kind of just, they're kind of throwing him out there and he's just ready to go with whatever they have for him. And that's really positive here because, you know, he's, it's going to be interesting to see how they work him in here with the reps here. They, they reiterated, reiterated once again that Andy Dalton is going to be the starter so my guess is just feels going to be getting the reps with the number two guys number two offense here going forward into the training camp but um, whatever reps he gets you know hopefully he's maximizing them and uh, you know we'll see that development hopefully kind of you know 
see progress going forward as the offseason kind of continues here. Yeah, you kind of alluded to the mental reps, and that's one thing that Matt Nagy's actually mentioned multiple times just throughout the minicamp weekend in terms of, hey, mental reps, mental reps, mental reps. And so Nagy had one specific quote in the press conference where he's like, yeah, Andy's going to get a chance to come in here and show what he can do, referring to veteran quarterback Andy Dalton. But then he also talked about how when Dalton is getting those number one reps, it is going to be the time for Nick Foles to help Justin Fields with the mental aspect of the game because we've seen in the past so many times with a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, these guys have it. A lot of rookie quarterbacks, I should say, coming out of college, they have all the physical tools and the traits needed to be successful NFL quarterbacks. It's just, unfortunately, the mental aspect of the game is something that they cannot adapt and really adjust to because you're playing at such a faster speed. And then you talked about how earlier, look, it's only rookie minicamp seven on sevens. Look, the Bears drafting Justin Fields only solves 50% of the problem because now you have a good quarterback prospect. The real work now begins in terms of Fields' actual development, and that's going to be in terms of, like Nagy alluded to, the mental reps, but then also the physical reps. I mean, the Bears have kind of put their foot down and insisted four times now this offseason. Andy Dalton's going to be the starter. I know that if fans had their way, they would want Fields out there starting week one. But really, Andy Dalton being the starter, the silver lining in that is that the Bears are finally trying to do something right at the quarterback position. They're not going to throw Justin Fields to the Wolves. They realize, hey, this is a 15- to 20-year investment that we have, and we're better off right now sacrificing whatever, four, five, six games in 2021 if it means winning for the next 15 to 20 years. Yeah, I think it's a good way to put it there. You know, certainly it, it comes to question if Justin Fields really is the guy that we think he is and he's ready to go in training camp that might change the things for the Bears here. I don't think there's plans are set in stone necessarily. You know, again, if Justin Fields forces the issue, I think we're going to see him on the field, you know, sooner rather than later. Uh, but as it stands right now, you know, you have Andy Dalton in the room there. You have Nick Foles in there. You know, it's a good quarterback room, I think, for Justin Fields to kind of, you know, start his career in and get kind of things kicked off here. And, you know, hopefully that's a good thing. Because like you said, uh, 15, 20 year investment here with Justin Fields as your quarterback. You're not thinking just for this year. You have to think about the bigger picture here with this entire thing. And, you know, hopefully we're, we see that come to fruition here over the next upcoming months. You know, it's going to be a long upcoming months, I think, until we get to see this guy in camp and hopefully we get to see some nice stuff there. All right, I think uh, that's a good way to uh, kind of pause there and go on to our main topic for today's episode. So we were happy enough to talk with Winnie City Gridiron Zone, uh, Jacob Infante. He's their lead NFL draft analyst over there at Winnie City Gridiron, uh, Bears fan, of course. And, you know, he was able to talk to us a little bit about uh, Bears and, and the draft and stuff like that. But really, we got him on here to give us a little bit of insight on the Bears rookie fifth round pick offensive lineman Larry Borum. So without a further ado, I'm just going to get us right into that interview here. Here is our discussion with Jacob Infante. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, welcome into Picks for Pace. We are happy to be joined by a special guest, special guest for today's episode, and that's Jacob Afante over at the Windy City Gridiron. He's their lead NFL draft analyst. Jacob, I want to welcome you onto the pod. How are you doing today, man? Hey, Andrew, I'm doing good. Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> it's been a busy couple of weeks. You know, like you, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and yeah, it's finally starting to slow down a little bit. So that's good news for me. Uh, good news for you know, basically, basically everyone else who's covering the Bears here. So I, I'm I'm trying to enjoy these the these you know kind of low periods the best I can because the draft. Oh man, that was pretty busy. Not gonna lie. I'm sure from a uh, workload standpoint, it got pretty brutal there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially with, you know, a draft as, you know, as widely praised as the one the Bears had, you really have to go as all in as you possibly can. So, yeah. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I know, you know, both of you can, you know, attest to this from your own end and then from my end as well. You know, it's been very, very busy for anyone who's been, you know, covering the Bears draft here the past few weeks and months. Yeah, certainly exciting as well, though. And I think that's something we'll be getting into it today with you on the podcast here. But uh, for those who don't know, uh, Jacob, you are also currently going to Missouri. So maybe you'll be able to help us out with um, University of Missouri, I should say. And, and that, that kind of brings us to the topic of today for having you on today. And that's going over uh, one of the p- picks for uh, the Bears here in this draft. And that was fifth round pick selection, uh, Larry Borm, offensive lineman out of Missouri. So uh, going to get some good stuff having you on to kind of give some a little bit of a breakdown on him and, and uh, you know, what can bring to the Bears here. So I'll get us started here with our first question for today. And that's what are some of the strengths in Larry Borum's game that he can bring to the Bears here? Yeah. So watching over Larry Borum uh, the past couple of years at Mizzou, I think that one of the big things that stands out is versatility uh, because he started games at both tackle positions and both guard positions during his time at Mizzou. And, Uh, I feel like that versatility, especially for someone who's entering probably as a backup, uh, I think that's going to be a very helpful tool for him to see playing time. If regardless of who goes down, I have a feeling that Borum's going to be the main guy to step in. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me from day one if that's the case, because just watching Borum from an on-field perspective, uh, he's a very good fit in an outside zone scheme. which is, you know, what I expect the Bears to be doing a lot of uh, in the run game this year. Uh, Larry Borm's sheer size brings him an impressive element of just being able to overwhelm guys at the point of attack. He's strong. He's nasty. Uh, he's got power, a powerful upper body, and he's got the, the anchor to kind of keep churning uh, in the run game. And in the past game, he has enough to be able to, con- you know, counteract those uh, speed to power rushes, whether it's, you know, a bull rush or a stab or what have you. Uh, Larry Borms, you know, a thickly built guy who's going to be able to hold his own at the point of attack. Uh, and another thing is that he, he's a pretty good athlete for his size. And he showed that in college that he's able to, you know, be a successful enough down blocker and he's solid when accelerating the second level. Uh, but another thing is he's lost, I want to say it's about 30 pounds over the offseason. So he's really trimmed down. He was about like 340, 350 uh, during his playing days. And he, he's trimmed down. He's in that 320 range, I want to say he's at right now. So he's lost a lot of, you know, kind of that, that fat, I guess. And he's really trimmed down, slimmed down to being a truly, you know, more toned frame. So I think that'll really emphasize his athletic talents as well. And I think that if he's able to keep 
that nasty mentality and able to maintain that, you know, strength that he, you know, was really noted for down in Columbia, then I think that Larry Borm has the potential to be a starter at the next level. I don't know necessarily if that's going to be the case as a rookie, but we're looking, you know, year two, maybe year three, whatever. Uh, you're looking at a guy who can potentially step in as whether it's a guard or a tackle. I think he can play either one. So yeah, strength, versatility, and solid athleticism for his size. I think those are the, the three big strengths in Larry Borm's game. Let's talk scheme fit here. Where do you see Borm fitting into the Bears scheme? And what do you think the offensive line coach Juan Castillo sees him as? Yeah, so I honestly had him projected as a tackle, uh, specifically as a right tackle. I could very well have seen him kick inside the guard. Uh, I I still had him listed as a tackle on my board, so I think right tackle is the place where he's probably going to fit in going forward. Uh, I do think Jermaine Effetti is going to be the starter there, but if Effetti gets hurt or if he simply doesn't play well, I could definitely see Larry Borum stepping in there. Uh, and being that next man up, so to speak, because, you know, you also have Elijah Wilkinson on the roster who can also serve as a swing tackle of sorts. But I think that they're going to want to give Larry Borum a chance, especially because of how that coaching staff has been talking him up uh, since drafting him. And I, I mean, I get that they're going to do that with basically all their rookies. They're going to talk him up and say, oh, this was such a great pick by us. But if the coaching staff truly feels the way that they do or that they've said that they do about Larry Bourne, then I think that's a guy you're going to look to get starting opportunities if someone gets hurt. Uh, but yeah, you know, like I mentioned, I do think from a blocking scheme perspective, he's a very good fit there uh, just simply because he's a big guy and he's pretty explosive. So you get him on the move a lot. You see him as a down blocker, you get him out in space. He's able to build up that, you know, momentum And by the time he engages, he's got all this explosiveness in his lower half, and he's just able to drive guys back. Uh, And with an outside zone perspective, it's not necessarily moving laterally, shuffling side to side. It's just, you know, more or less going in a diagonal, going in a straight line. Uh, And I think that that's an area where Larry Borum excels and just kind of clear out whoever's in his way. Uh, So, yeah, I I think that Borum is a good scheme fit going forward. I project him as a right tackle. Uh, I could definitely see him being a guard, but I think right tackle is the move for him going forward. Yeah, I think you could definitely see a bit of an identity identity shift that I think Steelers trying to bring to this offensive line because one of the things we've seen from them over the years is just that they get overpowered by some of these more bigger physical fronts um, in, in the NFL here. And I think that with the Tevin Jenkins pick in the second round and Borum here, you can quite you can clearly see that. I kind of tweeted this out when they drafted Borum that. You know, Castillo has a type that he's looking for with these offensive linemen. I think Borum is kind of a good fit for that. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree with that. I think both Borum and Tevin Jenkins kind of show that shift in what Juan Castillo wants in his offensive linemen. He wants a bit more nasty in there. And the Bears' offensive line, when healthy, wasn't bad. Like, just purely talking that, you know, Leno, Massey, Whitehair, Daniels, and then whether it's Mustafer at center or you got Effetti kicking in at guard, I think it wasn't a bad unit, but it wasn't a strong one. And I feel like the difference that brings an offensive line to passable to great is having someone who can truly be that mauler, someone who can really make an impact and not just stand in the way of guys. 
and can be that, you know, road paver in the run game. I think that's the right term for it. Uh, and they didn't really have that. Now they have that in Tevin Jenkins. They have a guy who can become that in Larry Borum. There's a lot of potential there with both of those guys. And I think they both kind of share that similar skill set. Obviously, Jenkins being, you know, a second round pick, he is stronger in some areas, but the general vibe of, okay, this is a mauler guy. He's a big bodied, you know, good athlete for his size in terms of straight line speed. Uh, so I, I think that that's definitely going to be a shift on that offensive line for sure. From a, from a mentality perspective, from a scheme perspective, I think you can expect that next year for sure. Now we kind of talked about Borum losing 30 pounds during the off season. You know, like you said, he was playing around 350 and he kind of had that uh, kind of round body type. It looked like um, at Missouri, it, it seemed like it, you know, clearly uh, Borum did a lot of work over the off season to refine his body a little bit, but Castillo kind of mentioned that he kind of wants him to get back up to around 330, 335, and then kind of that range there to kind of get back up there. So with the weight change and all that, how do you think that will impact his play at all? And, and do you think there's any room there to kind of add some more muscle to his frame? Because it seemed like there was a lot of, you kind of mentioned it, like a little bit of fat on his frame. Yeah. Um, do you think replacing that fat with a little bit of muscle then could really benefit him, especially in the upper body where I think he could use a little bit of muscle up there? Yeah, I think that's definitely possible. Uh I honestly didn't see that uh, that quote, so I'll, you know I'll have to go back and check that. But that does sound about accurate. We're wanting uh, Borum to mo- play in that three thirty range. I guess that sounds about right because, you know, again he's a a big bodied guy. He wins with you know churning his legs and driving guys uh, in the run game. So I, I definitely think there's room for that. Uh, he, he, he being able to skinny up, I guess you could say, to be able to lose that weight and you know, be a little bit more lean. I think that there's still some room to add muscle, especially in his upper half. I think his lower half is, uh, at least in my opinion, I think he's, you know, more than strong enough in his lower half, but obviously there's no such thing as too strong. Uh, So, you know, adding a little bit of that bulk in his upper half, I think could be a focus going forward for him. But yeah, I I could see 330 being a good playing weight for him. I was, you know, going to say maybe 325, 330, uh, so if they want him to be like on that higher end of that spectrum, I think that that's definitely uh, an area that the Bears can go with him. And I don't necessarily think that that's going to affect his playing style because uh, regardless of whether he's playing at, you know, 340, 320, what have you, uh, I still think that the same general mentality is going to be the same. It's just a matter of how much mass there is and how light on his feet he's going to be. Getting away from some from Larry Boromir, I mean, there were five Mizzou players drafted total Nick Ball and Tyree Galipsy, Larry Roundtree, as some of them. Which of these guys is your favorite fit? And then to follow up, were you surprised Nick Bolton fell all the way to round two? Yeah, if I had to hazard a guess, I think that uh, Nick Bolton fell as far as he did because one, he's a short linebacker, uh, and two, he didn't test extremely well in terms of lateral quickness. And I think that a short linebacker who can't move side to side, there's going to be some concerns about that. Honestly, I feel like Nick Bolton was drafted about where he should be. I had him like that late second, early third range. And I know there were talks about him at one point being a first round pick, which, you know, don't get it twisted. Nick Bolton's a very good player. And I think he's going to be a 
productive and reliable starter for the Chiefs, and that's a really good pick on their end, especially for what they need in their system. But I do think that, yeah, I think Nick Bolton was probably fair to be picked in that range simply because you're comparing, if you compare him to guys who went in the first round, like a Jamin Davis or a Zayvon Collins, both of those guys are longer and bigger than Nick Bolton is. And they can all, they're also more fluid side to side. And I think that Nick Bolton's strictly a Mike backer, the next level where, you know, those other two guys, you can kick them outside as well. You can do, you know, basically move them around in a variety of roles. So that versatility, I think, played a key there. I don't necessarily see Nick Bolton as a guy who can play anywhere other than Mike at the next level because, you know, you kind of – you have that vacuum, sort of, so to speak, that you have, you know, the outside linebackers going up alongside you uh, and you don't necessarily have as much lateral moving to do. I think that's where Nick Bolton thrives is when he's able to go in a straight line, when he's able to charge downhill. Uh, I think that that's really where Nick Bolton thrives. So – I think that's about fair for him. And as for other Mizzou picks, I really like Tyree Gillespie to the Raiders. I think that he really fits that uh, that mentality that John Gruden kind of likes with their safeties. I mean, drafting Jonathan Abram, I want to say in 2019, uh, they got another guy like that now in Tyree Gillespie who's willing to, you know, lower the shoulder and really deliver hits. He's willing to charge downhill and, you know, wrap up ball carriers. I think he's better in coverage than a lot of people give him credit for. I mean, sure, he's not an elite athlete, but he's fundamentally sound. He's intelligent. He can read the eyes of quarterbacks well. Uh, maybe not a guy I trust in single high coverage, but definitely in two high shells and covering underneath. I think that that's absolutely uh, a place where I trust Gillespie at the next level. And then, you know, also a guy you can put in the box because he's one of the best tackling safeties in this class, in my opinion. So out of all the Mizzou picks, I think Gillespie was the one I liked the most. Uh, that was the the fourth round I want to say it was correct me if I'm wrong there it was the fourth round yeah okay yeah which you know that sounds about right but I I think that Gillespie has the potential to outdo his draft positioning just because of uh, the willingness as and physicality as a tackler and just the fundamental uh, intelligence that he brings to the safety position yeah he certainly feels like a green grinder you know doesn't he when you watch him yeah a little bit you know you could I, you know, I kind of like the, what the Raiders do with their safety room because that was kind of a weakness for them. Then they get Merrick in the in the second round, obviously. You get Gillespie in the fourth round. I mean, those are probably going to be their two starting safeties going forward because um, I don't know how they feel about Abram um, in that scheme. But um, in terms of other Mizzou players, when you're looking forward to next year's draft, are there any names on your radar in terms of, you know, at Missouri that you think, you know, people in the NFL or, or draft next should be keeping their eye on uh, for next year's draft? Yeah, uh, so one guy in particular, I honestly, I don't think he's going to declare simply because it's a, not a super top-heavy quarterback class, but it's also pretty deep. Uh, I think Connor Basilak, their quarterback, has legit NFL potential. Uh, watching him, you know, step through into the starting lineup last year, he, he looked the part of, you know, maybe not the highest ceiling out there, but he's an intelligent quarterback who can read the field well, and he's, you know, mechanically sound and he's accurate. Maybe not the biggest arm or the most athletic, but if you're looking for an accurate quarterback, someone who can read the field and make, you know, go through those full field progressions, uh, I think Bazelak's going to be a guy to keep a, an eye on going forward. As for other guys, I mean, a lot of Mizzou's promise lies in its freshmen and sophomores because Elijah Drinkwitz has done a really good job of recruiting 
Barry Odom didn't necessarily do a great job of recruiting when he was the head coach of Mizzou beforehand. So a lot of these juniors and seniors, you're seeing, you know, the players that Barry Odom heavily recruited. So there's not as much talent this year, especially with a lot of guys going into the NFL. I think that Kobe Whiteside, the defensive tackle, I think that he's got draft pick potential uh, a little bit on the smaller side, but he's, you know, an effective uh, run defender as well. Uh, I think someone going forward would have to be Ennis Rakestraw, the corner. I believe he's going to be a true sophomore next year, uh, but he, he held his own. He was a starter right away in that Mizzou defense and held his own against some of the top SEC wide receivers, which that's a really talented conference and a lot of really good receivers come out of there. So Ennis Rakestraw is a guy I got my eye on going forward. Uh, I'm trying to remember. There's an edge rusher. I want to say his name is Chris Turner. Out of Mizzou, I'll, I'll have to double check that, but I know there is an edge rusher who plays for Mizzou who's pretty solid. I think that he's a guy to watch going forward. And again, when I'm, you know, I'm not as bit nearly as big of a Mizzou football fan as I am with the Bears. So it's not like, oh, I know this roster off the back of my hand right. you know, from the starters down to, you know, the practice squad guys. But from what I've been able to see, I think that Kobe Whiteside is a guy I definitely expect, you know, being a senior and all, he'll be in the NFL draft. Uh, the edge rusher, who I believe is Chris Turner, I think that, you know, there's some potential with him as well. Uh, and then, you know, looking on the offensive line, I don't necessarily have a guy off the top of my head that I want to mention, but Mizzou's done a very good job of producing offensive linemen over the last two years to either get drafted or sign on with an NFL team and make it make the roster. So, you know, just keeping tabs on that offensive line. Uh, and one more, Tyler Beatty, the running back. I think that he's going to step into a bigger role with Larry Roundtree gone and being drafted by the Chargers. Uh, Beatty played a big role but as a pass catching back. And I think that he's, you know, a little bit of that change of pace scat back at the next level. But I I'm excited to see what he can do in between the tackles now, being able to step into that bigger role as a running back. Uh, I think that's really going to be intriguing for sure. So Tyler Beatty, another potential late round guy if he you know plays well enough this year where you can look at and say oh this guy's got receiving value he can return on special teams so yeah that's another guy I want to throw out there as well getting back to the Bears here I mean how would you grade the entire draft as a whole and was there any particular pick that kind of surprised you yeah so if I had to grade right now I mean Man, I, I'm looking, you know, A minus or straight up A territory. I mean, I was really happy with what the Bears came away with in the draft. I feel like, you know, securing their, you know, potential franchise quarterback and Justin Fields, getting a day one starting offensive tackle and Tevin Jenkins, that alone is a really good haul. But you're looking on day three, Larry Borm can start down the line or at least be a high end backup. Uh, Thomas Graham can be a starter down the line. Khalil Herbert can step into a role. Daz Newsom can step into a role. Kyrus Tonga can step into a solid role as well and be that high-end rotational guy who can start some games at nose tackle with Eddie Goldman. Uh, if he goes down or if they part ways with him after, you know, however long to free up some cap space. It feels rare to say that an entire draft class could have contributors on it. I think at the very least they'll have two starters out of the group, but I could see as many as like four players starting uh, a handful of games this year, which is really impressive considering the bears didn't pick in rounds three or four. 
So with that in mind, absolutely, I think that this is a high-quality class that the Bears came away with. Time will tell if they actually live up to that hype, but I'm looking AA- minus for sure for right now. Well, I was just going to add this on. I think when you look at it on average, like NFL teams have, what is it, seven picks in the draft, and then really the good teams are able to come away with like at least two or three starters. But for the Bears here, I mean, they got super lucky because there was so much value in the late round in terms of Daz Newsom being there, I mean, in round six, as well as Thomas Graham Jr. And then you look at some of these other guys. I mean, at worst, you're talking about players that are just going to be rotational guys for at least the next couple of years that could develop into starters. Whereas for a lot of other teams, what happens is late day, late day three, those fifth, sixth, seventh round picks, those guys are nothing more than depth for a lot of teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think that if you're looking at this class, uh, just draft classes in general, you're lucky to get two, maybe three starters out of, out of a group. So for the bears to have, the talent that they got out of this draft class is impressive in its in and of itself. Uh, but again, we'll have to see how they do on the NFL level, but I do have confidence uh, just from my own evaluations of these players that there isn't a single person on this team in this draft class that the bears got that I can say, Oh, you know, they're not going to make it. They're not going to play a role in the NFL. They'll just be another guy. Uh, I can see solid enough roles for all these guys. And I think that that's really impressive. Uh, what Ryan Pace was able to come away with this year for sure. Let's talk about the elephant in the room here. What are your expectations for Fields here for his rookie season? Uh, with Justin Fields, I mean, I'm going to expect Andy Dalton to be the week one starter for the Bears, but I don't expect that to last for more than a couple weeks. I think that unless Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy signed extensions that haven't been reported to the media, uh, then I think they'll still be playing for their jobs here. Even if, you know, getting that quarterback might give them a little bit more leeway. I don't think they're going to be willing to take that risk. So I think they're going to want to give Justin Fields playing time. I definitely feel like he's going to start more than half of the games. I, I feel pretty confident in that. I, I'm honestly looking in the range of maybe 11, 12, 13 starts for him this year and Andy Dalton only starting a handful. So with Fields though, not going to lie, I do have high expectations for him. I don't see him putting together like a Justin Herbert type year because that's a very high bar for a rookie quarterback to reach. But I do think that he's going to be a good fit in what the Bears need to do on offense. I think that, you know, the short passes is going to be reliable. Uh, he's going to have a high completion percentage, at least in my opinion. Maybe they'll test down the field a little bit more because – Justin Fields is, you know, much more accurate. At least he proved at the collegiate level down the field than Mitch Trubisky was than, you know, Nick Foles was this past year, or, you know, even Andy Dalton. I think that Fields has the highest potential in terms of stretching the field. Uh, and then obviously the athletic ability, I think that that's going to, you know, give the bears a little bit more versatility. They'll, you know, a little bit more respected among defenses. If they run, you know, play action, they run bootlegs, they run, you know, RPOs, they run read options, what have you. They can go in a lot of different directions from just your typical, all right. Oh, shotgun snap, drop back to pass. Because with fields athleticism, he's a guy that you're going to have to account for, which is going to more often than not free up a defender. Who's not in coverage and is solely going to be that contained guy uh, for fields in case he scrambles or in case he runs with the ball. So 
I think the Bears should take advantage of that. You know, once they put Fields into the starting lineup, I think that, you know, being able to diversify the offense a little bit and make defenses really fear that athletic component because, you know, that's Fields is a great passer as it is. But when you have a defense worried about his athletic ability and, oh, he's going to take off and run, then that opens things even more for you. So I, I, I have high expectations for Justin Fields. I think that depending on how many games he starts, he's going to be a legit rookie, rookie of the year candidate. Uh, will he win it? I don't know because I think Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are both going to start more games than Fields does this year. But I feel like if Fields is able to take over that starting spot, you know, relatively quickly and he's able to, you know, light it up with, let's face it, the Bears weapons, you know, having Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney, that's better than anyone that the Jaguars have or the Jets have, you know, and that's coming from someone who likes the Jaguars group of weapons more than most. But the point being, I think Justin Fields is in a very good position to, you know, succeed because, you know, better weapons than what Trubisky had his rookie year, a better offensive line, much better defense. You know, a lot of pieces are in place. And sure, I don't I think that the Bears have some holes and they have a very tough schedule going forward. But I'm expecting Fields to be a, a rookie of the year contender, maybe not a winner of it, but I think he'll definitely be in the running for sure. Last one for you here. It's been an offseason of ups and downs because – Andy Dalton and then the whole like oh could the Bears be getting Russell Wilson all that stuff but just as a Bears fan in general tell us how you're feeling about the Bears moving forward with OTA set to begin next week yeah so for 2021 I think that the Bears I think that they'll be more competitive than the record shows I think that they're gonna put together a solid performances on a consistent basis but man they're just facing a lot of really good teams and obviously Things can change from year to year. Teams can fall off. Like say, I don't expect the Steelers to be nearly as, as uh, menacing this year as they were last year. So I think that that's a game the bears could win that they probably wouldn't have won last year. But point being, I think that the bears have talent. I think there's still a couple players away from truly being a playoff contender. Uh, But I, I, I still think, you know, seven, eight wins this year uh, just because of, the talented teams that they'll be going up against. That's not necessarily a knock on the bears because I do think they have a good roster in place. It's just going to be an absolute gauntlet for them this year, but going forward, I'm a little bit interested in seeing what the bears do because you only got, you've got Allen Robinson on the franchise tag. He's not secured long-term. My guess is they're going to try again with him after the season, see how Allen Robinson and Justin Fields get along. I feel like that's something they're going to have to work on whether they tag him again or they sign him to another extension, you know, time will tell there, but I'm a little bit worried about the defense long-term because the secondary, the cornerback position in particular, uh, you have Jalen Johnson that you've invested high draft capital in and that's it. Uh, And even he has had some, you know, injury concerns over the last two years. Uh, And I feel like the safety position, you don't really have a long-term guy alongside Eddie Jackson, you're going to need a replacement for Danny Trevathan down the line. Defensive line, a handful of guys might leave. Edge rushers, both of your guys are over 30. Robert Quinn probably won't be around for too long. But for right now, I think that defense is in a, you know, a very good place. It's just a matter of building pieces and adding depth over the next couple of years around those guys. But again, all that matters really is the Bears got their quarterback. 
And if Justin Fields is who a lot of us think that he is, then they can afford to be a little bit thin on defense because, you know, looking at the Seattle Seahawks, they haven't necessarily had the best roster construction over the last few years, but they've been able to get away with it because Russell Wilson is elite. If Justin Fields, you know, not even elite, if Justin Fields can be very good, then he's going to be able to carry this team to, you know, being a solid playoff contender and then figure stuff out down the line. Okay. How do we replace some of these older veterans on defense? How do we, you know, add another weapon to the, you know, wide receiver group or the offensive line. Uh, I feel like having Justin Fields is going to be able to relieve a lot of that long-term uncertainty that the bears have on that roster and, you know, maybe keep them competitive in the short run as well. Yeah. You talk about Russell Wilson. I, I think you can also extend that to Patrick Holmes and uh, Kansas city and even Aaron Rodgers up there in green Bay as well. I mean, those two teams have, haven't had the most perfect, uh, you know, roster construction as well, but, you know, it creates some excitement, I think, for the Bears fan, for, for, for Bears fans, obviously. They have their quarterback, like you said, and that just that makes things interesting going forward. And, and hopefully we have a, a fun season coming up to kind of, you know, see how he develops over the course of this year. All right, Jacob, that's going to do it uh, for us here. Uh, having you on the podcast here. Uh, where can they find you? Where can folks find you on Twitter? And what kind of, you know, what do you have coming up here uh, in terms of the woodwork here, uh, work-wise, coming up here over the next few months? Yeah, so you all can find me on Twitter at Jacob Infante24. That's Jacob I N F A N T E 24. Uh and these next couple months, honestly, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I know I just uh the other yesterday I published something about Tevin Jenkins' lone start at left tackle that he had at Oklahoma State in 2020 and kind of breaking that down. So you might be able to see some more in-depth uh coverage of specific draft picks that the bears have had. I might go into Justin Fields and write an article or two about, you know, truly the X's and O's of, you know, what he put together at Ohio state. Uh, and then some 2022 draft prep. I've, I've been getting started on that these past couple of weeks and, you know, really starting to get a feel for this class. So once I. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Once I'm able to get a little bit more into the, you know, that like that late day two range of prospects, you might start seeing big boards for me, uh, positional previews. Maybe not as much because obviously the Bears don't have a first round pick. So I fully recognize that the hype for next year's draft might not be as high as this one, but you're still going to see content from me regardless that, you know, that's something I'm trying to do uh, year round here. So absolutely 
2022 stuff, a uh, recap of 2021 draft for the Bears, and, you know, just general Bears columns. That's probably what you guys can expect from me here the rest of this offseason. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely check out his work, Bears fans. There's a lot of great stuff with the draft, but really with the Bears and uh, his writing as a whole. So, Jacob, I want to thank you uh, for being on the podcast today once again. And, uh, you know, hopefully over this summer, excitement's going to be building up. We have a fun year ahead of us, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I appreciate you guys for having me on. You know, it was a really good time. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this year. I feel like especially heading into training camp, there's a level of excitement, maybe not from uh, an in-season perspective, but just having Justin Fields there. There's an excitement around training camp that hasn't been seen in quite some time. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. reported three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. All right. That was our interview with Jacob Infante. A lot of good stuff uh, in that discussion there. You said, uh, what are some of your main takeaways from what we heard from Jacob there? It was, you're right. It was a lot of good stuff, but just the one main takeaway I have is that looking ahead to 2022, I mean, Mizzou is in the STC and I know that they're never going to get the amount of attention that a lot of these other big SEC schools have. You're talking like Florida, Georgia, certainly Alabama and LSU but there are some really good prospects that are worth keeping an eye on, especially the starting quarterback that Jacob had mentioned specifically, but then also just Larry Borum, who I think right now is kind of being slept on because Bears fan outside was, I should say this, he's being slept on outside the Bears fan base, but Borum is a guy who is a bit of a project player this year, but has a tremendous amount of upside can really develop into a solid starter for the bears beginning in 2022. And Jacob, obviously he mentioned he's on the university of Missouri campus because he attends school there. So he's seen these guys like Borum up close and he just has a much better read than like anyone else would regarding what Borum can potentially develop into because when you look at the offensive line, I mean, the, Chicago's offensive line the last two seasons, as soon as the Bears kind of moved on from Kyle Long, they had absolutely zero push. And there was no nastiness or aggressiveness. None of that attitude or demeanor needed. The guys were just not imposing their will. And now you add Tevin Jenkins. You're getting Cody Whitehair and James Daniels back. You have Mustafa. You have Alex Bars. I Fetty is a guy that Juan Castillo thinks highly of the offensive line coach and you add Borum to it, the Bears are finally getting aggressive when it comes to the offensive line and saying, hey, we want to dominate you at the line of scrimmage, which, by the way, is not – that's something we have not seen since we had guys like Oyland Krutz and Roberto Garza starting for the Bears. So it's been a little more than a decade, but the arrow for the offensive line in general is pointing up. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that Jacob mentioned that he sees Borum as a more of a fit at right tackle or that he projects him to be a right tackle in the NFL because there's been a lot of talk about, you know, is Borum kick inside the guard? Does he really have the ability to stay outside a tackle in the NFL? And I think it's very exciting for uh, that development there because you look at the Bears' future needs here. Yeah, they have a Fetty on the roster right now, but is he really the answer long-term at right tackle there? You know, it's a very – it's a premium position in terms of you want to have that those two tackle positions secured – Obviously, they view Tevin Jenkins as the left tackle going forward here. 
Um, so how great of a draft would it be if Ryan Pace would be able to get not only his franchise quarterback and his franchise left tackle, but to get, you know, both starting tackles in the same draft here if Larry Borm could be that guy. So I thought that was interesting what, what uh, uh, Jacob mentioned there in terms of seeing how he could develop to be that right tackle long-term there. So that would be something that, that would be very exciting there. Um, just a lot of exciting stuff um, as a whole. So, all right, you said, I think it's a good time to wrap this thing up here uh, for today's episode. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Picks for Pace uh, to get some of our updates going forward. Uh, you said, where can people find you on Twitter and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter as well as any other social media platform at Usaid Koshal. That's just my first and last name. Check out my work on the Bear Report. I know that between May, June, and then the first half of July, we are going to be slower. So I've got a couple series running. I'm doing one on breakout candidates. I just dropped one on Co- an article on Co Clement the other day. I am doing a bounce back Bears series as well, looking at players that could bounce back in 2021. And then also players that are on the roster bubble heading into training camp. Yeah, absolutely. You can find my work at the Bear, Bear Report, and you can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25 as well. Uh, make sure to keep updated with us uh, going forward here. We have uh, a Q&A episode coming up, so any questions that you guys have for us, uh, hopefully, w- whether it be about the Bears, whether it be about the draft, whether it be just about football in general, uh, make sure to send your questions in. We're going to be sending out stuff on our Twitter account as well as at the Bear Report, so if you have any questions for us, Send them in, and hopefully we can answer them for you uh, in our next episode coming up here. But I want to thank our Bears fans for listening. I want to thank Jacob and Fonte for joining us on the podcast once again. Uh, really, again, I, I'll, I'll reiterate it, a lot of good stuff uh, today. So uh, without further ado, thank you, Bears fans. Thank you for tuning in on all uh, podcast platforms, and we'll hope to talk, you, talk to you next week. Uh, bear down. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Grainger. For the ones who get it done.